Light 1.0, Chapter 13, Superstition Tiger, hmm, you want to play the good stuff, rotten stuff game? Sissy, we can't light a fire in the bedroom. I mean tomorrow. Sure, we can go to the Green Bridge right after breakfast. Okay, are you facing the window? You bet. Okay. Sissy slept peacefully then, facing the wall. In this way, we guarded ourselves from boogeymen and evildoers. No one else was there to do that job. Mother's jazz music wafted down the hall from the living room, where she often sat with legs tucked up beneath her on the couch, staring out the big window at the shadowy light limbs of the walnut trees in the nighttime backyard. Late-night jazz on the stereo meant she was really drunk. Sissy had heard it, too. The next day, after our typical Saturday morning breakfast of one half a piece of bacon, one half a scrambled egg, one piece of toast, and a small cheese glass of orange juice, Sissy and I set off for the creek, about an hour's hike from our home. Our only stops were to crack open and eat a watermelon growing in old Joe's backyard behind his rickety garage, and a few minutes picking green plums off the wild plum tree near the railroad tracks. We didn't know if that was really Joe's name, as we had never actually met, but Sissy and I had called the old man that ever since the one time he caught us stealing his melons and ran us off. The green plums were put in our pockets, to eat for lunch later. We liked their sour taste, and there wasn't any other food to scavenge on the way to the creek. Once there, we slid down the embankment, overgrown with weeds and ferns, and sat with our tools on the ground next to the dilapidated bridge, which spanned a long-ago dried-up creek. The bridge wasn't really green anymore. The wood was mostly rotten and aged, but a few old chips of forest green paint remained on it here and there, giving us a small impression of its heyday beauty. The green bridge was our secret place. One time we heard Mother tell someone it was our pretend place. We just looked at each other and kept silent. It was real. Sissy and I took turns playing scribe and speaker. One would shout out a word for what she loved or hated about her life while the other wrote it down. On that morning, red wine, second all, slurred speech, rainier ale, dad's pharmacist Vern, more about him later, juice glasses, codeine, secrets, and late-night jazz were all recited and duly noted on three-inch square pieces of white paper that were then placed in the brown paper lunch bag marked with a big black X on the outside. Blueberries, fried chicken at Grandma G's, Scottish bakery cream puffs, Sissy's piano teacher, music and the piano, guitars, reading, summer vacation, Jurgen's hand lotion, and Franco-American spaghetti with sliced tomatoes at Grandma B's were all carefully printed on the squares I had cut from one of Dad's yellow legal paper tablets earlier during Good Stuff, Rotten Stuff ritual preparations. 
these pieces of yellow paper were carefully placed in the light yellow paper lunch sack, labeled love. We tried to alternate between good and bad stuff, and could not proceed to the next phase of our routine until there were more papers in the yellow love sack than in the hate black X brown one. Once we determined we were ending on a positive note, and the balance of words was weighted to the good, we dug a small hole in the dirt, placed the black X brown sack in it, and lit it with a match from the barbecue pit matchbook that I kept in our love-hate supply cigar box. After the brown bag and all of its white squares of sadness had burned to ash, we filled the hole with dirt, marked an X on the ground surface with a twig, and finally hid our hate crypt with scattered leaves and rocks. The yellow love bag went home with us and was placed at the bottom of our dress-up box with the other yellow bags. At first I made a rule that we could never reopen the yellow bags or we would lose the love in them. Later, though, on a bad rainy stuck-inside day, I amended that rule to be that we could open them and read the love words any time either of us needed a lift, as long as we were careful to place the words back in the exact same yellow sacks. After Sissy and I grew up and went our separate ways, followed our individual life paths, she often had a difficult time sharing, talking about what was inside her head and heart. She said yes, it was hard for her to find or share her deepest thoughts and feelings sometimes. It wasn't easy for me, either. Once Sissy visited me, and we went to the beautiful Desconso Gardens above Los Angeles for an afternoon picnic and walk. We sat at the picnic tables there, and I surprised her by pulling out a box with all our good stuff, bad stuff tools. We both shared a great deal of love and hate and sadness and happiness that day, and it felt good. Afterward, we had to burn the brown hate sack out on the patio of my apartment in my Weber barbecue because we didn't want to set fire to Disconso Gardens. I don't know what happened to our yellow love sack from that day, and I don't know if it opened Sissy to further sharing abilities, she never mentioned it to me again. I know we both felt really good at the close of that afternoon, and I know that I remember that day as one I would put in a yellow love sack if I were to start a new one. <laughs> <laughs>